well, do you remember? Actually, but if you think he was on, because so did he? Did he go from Wolves to QPR that way? I think so. He I was think so, yeah. Henry kicked the shit out of Barton, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They, like he should have been. He should have been like had like six bookings in one game. All on yeah. Barton. Because he then Barton went on TV the next day and was like, just kept calling him Calvin. He was like, listen, I know Calvin Henry. That's his game. And they were like, it's it's uh, it's actually Carl. He's like, oh sorry. But uh, and then it would like the conversation move on. He go, but Calvin knows what he's doing. And like, oh, that's an even better diss, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter what your name is, Calvin. Ben Shepherd frantically going, it's Carl, Joey, it's Carl, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the um it turns out the Chromebook doesn't have an Ethernet cable port. Okay. <sighs> well, ironically, you actually sound all right, mate. Now you come back. <laughs> well, we'll see how we go. Yeah. Um what episode is this? 15. 15. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day scholars and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. This is episode 15 and I'm your host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge every single Friday on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast from. And the best way that you can support is to rate, review, subscribe. If you found us over there on Twitter, at WSBFUN, over 11,000 followers over there, or maybe you could tweet this out. If you found us on Instagram, there are fewer than 11,000 followers over there. It's at Wrestling Should Be Fun, all one word. Well, maybe you could add this to your Instagram story. Hey, why don't you Facebook it out? If you're under 12, you could TikTok it out. Maybe you write your mum a letter. Maybe you could act this out as a play for all your friends and family members. We got a long one today. We're going to get straight into it. This week, I'm going to be joined by Ross, Matt, and Matt. Just the core four, getting back into it. We're going to start off with the call-up sheet. you got a call-up sheet for us, brother. Sure do. It's primarily from the US of A this, uh, this week. Apart from our starting wrestler, Tommy Hand from Parts Unknown. <laughs> Tommy Hand? Tommy <laughs> Hand. H-A-N-D. <laughs> yep. He's got to be like the helping hand, so he's like someone's henchman, isn't he? <laughs> it has to be. Very good. I was thinking maybe he could be like Tommy N's little brother. <laughs> Next up from Alabama, it's Blake Anderson. I mean, he's butts himself really with that name. <laughs> he's 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 one of those. I think I've already seen him be beat on AEW Dark about a year ago. Definitely, it's the most AEW Dark name I've ever heard, and there's been a couple that have definitely filled that box. This one is right up there. I think he pulled up the limelight. I used to play cricket against a guy called Blake Anderson. It's awesome. And one day, he, yeah, he, he used to play He used to play for Southern Lockyer and I played for Gatton. And one day we, we had we him had nine wickets down and they needed about 60 to win. And I had, him, I had him caught behind three times, 
But because I bowled big top spinners and I was six foot four and he was like four foot eight, they kept going over his shoulder as he gloved them behind. And their fucking cheat of an umpire kept giving them no balls because they because he'd glove them over his own shoulder. So I had him out through. And anyway, they, he ended up getting fucking 40 not out and got him home. And we, they beat us. So fuck you, Blake Anderson from Alabama. <laughs> you ran your son. <laughs> I don't picture Blake Anderson like 48. I imagine him like a bit of a, a Chris Morris type, like a, bit like a tall seamer, but he's also really good with a bat. <laughs> <laughs> He, he was. He actually. He used to catch my school bus as well. He was actually a lovely guy. Um, yeah, I hope you're well, Blake. I feel like Dom's Dom's got Blake in some kind of gauntlet match versus all the host men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next up from from the US of A, lovely Lance Lumley. <laughs> oh, that's a great name. Triple L. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just imagine having like a, a Timothy Thatcher style gimmick. <laughs> I like I I reckon he should be a Mexican mass wrestler and make him five L's. Lucha Libre, lovely what's his name? Lovely Luke Longley. Lance Longley. <laughs> does he does he come out with his mum, Joanna, in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> And she's oh she, she's like a tweener because she's always like she's trying to support the Gurkhas, but then kind of says stuff a little bit racist afterwards. There's um there's a QPR he's just left. There's a QPR goalie called Joe Lumley, and every time he plays well, they go absolutely fabulous from Joe Lumley today. Oh god, never gets old. Football banter. <laughs> I mean, I really love fo- the good football banter, but I hate that kind of I hate I hate Sky Sports News style football banter. The best thing that QPR's ever been associated with was when um, Jason from the Renford Rejects played one of yeah. their legends at halftime that, that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's Stanley Bowles, I think. <laughs> you can bear yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, yeah. Stanley Bowles. Yeah. Yeah, on, on the children's TV show, Renford Rejects. I'm sure you Americans who are writing in are really enjoying this chat. <laughs> What a show that was, by the way. The Americans, it's like the Hurricanes, but not with cartoons. <laughs> yeah. It's seen the Hurricanes as American. I mean, it definitely wasn't. It was probably made in Telford or somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what the Hurricanes is either. Oh, Champion Spirit is here to stay, mate. Sorry, this is a this is a football cartoon should be fun, isn't it? <laughs> Next up is Dwayne Rose from USA. Doesn't that? Didn't he play for the Chicago Bulls? Big fan. Oh, no, that's, De- that's Derek Rose. Sorry, Derek Rose. <laughs> fan of the group. <laughs> um, I like the idea that he is like the long lost member of the family of uh, Schitt's Creek, the Rose family. So he's just like a really eccentric cousin um, of the Rose family of Schitt's Creek. Perfect. I had him down as, as, as a bud, some kind of rabbit. <laughs> who then goes on to be a major, major superstar three years later. And everyone looks back at the photos of him and go, oh, well, I can't believe he was a rosebud. Now he's Roman Reigns. <laughs> and last but not least, from Kentucky, Z McZed. <laughs> Wait, how do you know? Are you sure it's not Zed McZ and you're pronouncing it the wrong way around? <laughs> <laughs> Next week on Sesame Street. <laughs> Z McZed. 
So is it spelled Z double E M C Z E D? Z E E M C Z E D. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But then you just did it. You just said Z at the start and Z at the end. <laughs> when you were set, brilliant. Um, I'm I'm not going to worry about the Z and the Z. I'm going to go for the Mick. I reckon he's a Ronald McDonald character. He's a clown. Love that. Big, big Mac. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I think he should just drop should drop the the Mac and be ZZ, and then he can um, his finisher is like a a, um, a shooting star, and when he goes to the top top turnbuckle, one of the shit commentators goes ZZ top. <laughs> you say you said one of the shit commentators. We know which one. <laughs> That's. Mate, that's definitely if he's saying up on top, that's Tony Shabani. That's his that's his catchphrase. So that's the call-up sheet for this week. And unlike previous weeks, we have got a shout out for one of the Wrestling Should Be Fun crew. And that goes to our very own host Dom for winning the Heat Two of Shock Mastermind. How do you feel about that, Dom? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I so before we started recording. I said to Ross, I was like, well, do you want me to do like Dom Van Dam and do the all, all the heel shit and cut promos and stuff? Or because I'm playing like Mitch and Greg, who I don't know that well, like, should I just be like a nice guy, Dom Philp, you know? And Ross was like, yeah, you can just be yourself. Like, you don't have to do Dom Van Dam. And then I ended up being the biggest heel by accident, like cheating to win and like, and then like everyone turned on me. And I was like, I should have just been fucking Dom Van Dam and owned it. But anyway. <laughs> Save it for the semi-finals. I, I like, or I just really, really hope that I draw TK Cooper in the semis after he knocks out Chef. <laughs> well, Dom, didn't you cheat anyway? Because weren't you supposed to be in the group of death, but you managed to <laughs> make up some story about you having something else and got, got yeah. in the group. Yeah. Meanwhile, on Sunday, I'm just sitting at home drinking tea. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, yeah, no, it's good. I, uh, mate, shock mastermind, just like if you're out there and obviously the reason that Ross has put me over there is so we can give it a shout out. If you're out there and you're not listening to shock mastermind, make sure you hit it up. It's on this podcast feed. Um, and yeah, it's, it's good fun. Play along at home. Let us know how you do. I had someone message in after listening to my episode going, yeah, I would have got all your questions right. I would have beaten you. (laughs) 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 Now, as my my now Instagram friend, Phil. So, shout out, Phil. Um, I mean, there there were some dodgy topics there, weren't there? One pay-per-view as a topic is is really narrowing in. Yeah, I... I, yeah, like, I obviously I'm saying that, like, I cheated to win. But those boys both just did one pay-per-view and I did three years of Ring of Honor wrestling history. Yeah, if if it's a... for if someone picked a pay-per-view, I'd be like, who was on screen at 13 minutes and 28 seconds? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ross was like, how do you spell WWF? <laughs> We've got some um, exciting ones being recorded on Wednesday. We've got um, the Wes Brothers versus the returning Robin. That is, I would say that's the coolest group. Harsh on, Mitch, harsh on Mitch and Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I bring the average down on that one. Um, hey, what are we here for? We should probably talk about some wrestling. <laughs> um, what the nerds are watching. 
Let's do this. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long. Do you want to talk about Smackdown or something that I wouldn't have seen while I get my pie out of the oven? Uh, yeah. Sure thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One sec. So what I've been watching this week is the best of Masawa, AJPW. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think he's shit house. <laughs> if we all agree, give me no sign at all. There you have it. There you have it, wrestling fans. <laughs> now I've got to leave all that in. I'll have a um, crack at um, Raw quickly, just, just a real quick one in that, again, with Raw... The wrestling itself is is very good. You've, we had Asuka versus Rhea, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, arguably a better match than the tri- the the triple threat or the pay per view. We also had Sheamus having another banger. That that man arguably is the MVP in that p- promotion for twenty twenty one in my book um, against um, Ricochet. But again, the problem with Raw. Yet again, all the time, it's repeat, repeat, repeat. The matches are really good, but there's not a lot of excitement about watching the same matches over and over again. And for a, and for a roster that's as big as what they've got, it's, it's bizarre that they keep on doing it. Um, cool. Is Kofi in the title picture now? He is. They've they've um <clears throat> they've they've done their best to to turn him serious, Kofi. Um, he had a match with um Randy, which was good. And then he answered the open challenge, which the heels did quite a fun job of like, we never said it was for the title open challenge vibe. And then he beat him. Um, so yeah, the, um, t- tonight on Raw, there will be the fallout of that, which will be good. I can't see him winning the title, but they need something fresh, which I've been saying previously. And that is a fresh match. Yeah. I'm glad they've put him back in the title picture. I'll be up for that match. Like, I know it's already happened, but um, I didn't see it. So uh I'll be up for a Lashley-Kofi match if they do that at the next pay-per-view. I feel like what the nerds are watching could also just be called Ross Explains What's Going On on WWE Television to the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of WWE Television, I I caught NXT this week and I just wanted to give a shout-out to my Australian friend, Bronson Reed. I thought they did a fantastic job putting him over this week. And obviously they've been building him for a while. It wasn't just like a one episode thing, but like it, it really felt like, oh shit, this guy is a big deal. Yeah, massively. Yeah. So they've, they've done a really good job on him without him ever really having to cut a decent promo. He's, yeah, got over just by the look of him and being athletic and sort of being compared to what? What was he, King Kong or Godzilla or one of them? <laughs> Well, oh, great entrance, isn't he? He's got a great packaging. I like that entrance a lot. Uh, well, that, I that, that match was pretty decent, actually. Like, not not great, but it was decent. Nice moment. I, I, I think it's probably too soon to take the belt off Gargano. I, I don't think the dynamic works in that division as well with Reader's Champ. But it was, yeah, fun moment. And you got to have him in wrestling from time to time, haven't you? And, the and question... Like, I think he, uh, you know, it it made, made him look, look like a star. Um uh, again, again, I think the the, the we, we were talking on a previous one. The is it stand and deliver or the the two night or whatever the two night takeover was that he he was he did really well on both nights. So yeah, nice thing doing well. I just 
I, yeah, I, I, if it was me personally, I'd have probably kept the title on 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 Johnny a bit longer. But there you go. I thought um, the match itself had really simple, brilliant psychology in terms of mm. the heel was trying to get out of the cage, whereas the face was trying to pin him to the mat to prove that he's the better man. And then, of course, with a cage match, the reason for a cage match is to stop interference. And and the interference was kept to a to a low amount, and it was more like desperation from theory rather than kind of like, you know, just interference for interference's sake. So, yeah, I thought it was great. And then the and the perfect finish with the tsunami off off the top, which is what which is what everyone wanted to see, and a worthy way of of um him losing his title because you know who's kicking out of that. If, if we're talking about Antipodean NXT wrestlers, do we need to talk about Tony Storm's new finisher? Fuck me. That is awesome, isn't it? Incredible. Like, oh, I, I, it's not, I've never seen anyone do that before I, that I can remember. Like, and it's fucking but, brutal. I think, like, I want someone green can't take that. I'm glad, like, someone with like 10 plus years of experience that like, took that finisher. You can't, you couldn't do that to Alia or Jesse Kamea or someone like that, I don't think. I watched it a few times though, and I still can't quite figure out exactly what, like, because it's the first time she's hit it. I need to see her hit it again to yeah. like figure out whether, because like first I was like, oh, she's gonna finish this in a neck breaker, but it, she finished it in like an implant DDT, and I was yeah, like, yeah. has she botched that? Is that what was meant to happen, or was it meant to be a neck? I couldn't. No, I, I, I think it is because if you actually look at because of what way she hooks that the arm and does that inverted. Uh, like judo throw and then drops down. The only thing I think maybe is that possibly um, the what? Oh, what's her face? My my brain's just gone. Who she was facing? Stark. Zoe Stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like basically should have rotated a bit more. So like it was more of a kind of a face first DDT rather than the angle was obviously quite quite high on it. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks sick. But I think Dom's right. It'll be interesting to see when it when it's done normally. But yeah, there was just like a lot of moving parts to it. I was like, oh, gee, that's interesting. Like, I it took me watching it a couple of times to figure out exactly what had happened. Yeah, I really probably, so sometimes like it's uh, this is some, maybe this is more of a roundtable discussion. But sometimes when I talk to my friends that don't like haven't grown up with wrestling, they have trouble figuring out who gets hurt in some of the moves. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you have that with your friends. And I just, I, I'm not sure if that one could be a, uh, an example of that. About like, there's a lot of moving parts. Two people are falling over. Like, what's happening there? But yeah, I don't know. I've still, after years of watching wrestling, still not worked out why a Spanish fly is an offensive move. But you know, <laughs> you know oh, well, whilst we, we may as well transition into um, Ring of Honor chat then, <laughs> whilst we're doing it. Um, so obviously the people that invented the Spanish fly were the SATs and they're in these first Ring of Honor shows that I've been watching, um, including this tag tournament that I watched this week at it unscripted. And they do such a great job of selling their stomachs like they're winded when they hit the Spanish fly. Like they... They like they never go for the cover straight away. They always like they're rolling around in agony, and then they have to crawl themselves over by their fingernails to get the cover. Whereas like now people just hit it and like oh yeah that didn't hurt at all. You know like it, yeah so you're right. But I thought just just whilst you bring that up, the SAT used to actually sell like the stomachs like they were winded like RVD used to on his frog splash. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of offensive move selling. You don't see enough of it. 
Just uh, uh, just on back to Tony Storm's finisher, I absolutely love the fact that she hadn't won a match apart from a DQ win in like six months on NXT. So clearly, like the 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 uh, Storm Zero wasn't cutting it, and the fact that she that she hit Storm Zero, it was kicked out of, and then she went to this new move. I've, I absolutely love that. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic, wasn't it? Go go home and learn a new hold or whatever it is. <laughs> A, a, a quick one before we move on from NXT. Well, a super, super quick one. Hearing Ted DiBiase's music again is just the best thing ever. What That's got to be top 10. That is a banger. Um, wh- Ross, what Everybody did you think of the Pete Dunne interview? Because it, it came off a bit more neutral rather than heelish. I don't know. And Dom, did you did you catch it as well? Or I did, but I can't. I I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I remember him saying about how everyone who's a champion is on notice and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's just. But bit, I don't remember a lot. Of it. Yeah, it was a structure because he's obviously been quite quite firmly a heel character there, and it was it was essentially just him. The way he just answered questions, it it, it was obviously still in Pete Dunne style character, but it was a bit more. Yeah, it was a bit more neutral, and I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if it points to certain plans for him or anything like that. I just found it particularly interesting. I don't know. Did you catch it, Ross? Or yeah, I watched it. Um, the one thing that, that I took away from it was um, he did that like thing of basically mentioning that he's good at wrestling and, and that his matches are good. Yeah, yeah, I know as well. That's a little bit of a like, oh, Pete. Well, so it's interesting. This is probably another roundtable discussion, but because in UFC, which is mostly real, um, like in there, they talk about that and they have like match the nights and whatever, and and I think you're allowed to talk about that. Um, Kenny Omega, I think, does it well. Most of the time, he does it quite well talk about who's the best bout machines, the most exciting guy to see, but it's still in the caveat of him him winning those matches. Like I think just saying about like but you can definitely and wrestlers do it a lot, stray it too much into I'm, you know, I'm a good fake wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And and I think you're right, that was definitely that could have that could have fallen either way. Is there anyone that is there anyone that comes to mind for you guys when you think about wrestlers who have done that too much? who have like tried to sort of get over by being like, oh, well, I don't really win much on TV, but I am the best wrestler here. Uh, like, Because I've got someone in mind. I just wonder if you guys... One that springs to mind, and it was part of the feud and did work, was when Daniel Bryan was calling out Miz's style in that feud and saying that he works soft. And I just found that really bizarre. Like, you could just say your strikes aren't very good, but it was like, it was really a proper nudge of like, you're not very good at wrestling. Yeah. yeah what what does working soft mean for like a former world champion? Like he must have hurt people to yeah, win. Yeah, that. that's what I mean. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It was, it was it was a strange one. Yeah, I was I was thinking like the the guy that comes to mind for me was Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, completely agree. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he, he, he to me he does it almost too much. Yeah, uh, yeah. But what it, you know, it's the same old thing when you got to fill three hours of TV a week or whatever, six hours of TV a week, you eventually start running out of ways to have someone lose every week and still be interesting, I guess. I remember Punk kind of promo once and talking about how Tyson Kidd was one of the best wrestlers in the company, whereas in, within Kayfabe, obviously he wasn't. And it was always <laughs> quite strange that Punk was, 
obviously again just nudging at the fact that he was good at the wrestling yeah and i think there's a way that you can talk about technical wrestlers you know compared to like powerhouses and strikers but yeah just saying that he's a he's a really good hand to like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my other two comments on nxt are about alexander wolf seems okay. like he's um seems like he's been not released but like just his contract's up and they're just not renewing it um which is a bit of a shame i i thought that he was going to be a big part of nxt uk when he moved over there but obviously with 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 covid and whatnot things things fell apart a little bit i enjoyed his stuff with 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 uh, sanity um what do you guys think they're going to do with Imperium? Is it the easy shout of Thatcher takes that spot? I think mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with a three-man stable. One yeah. single, one single, one tag. Sometimes it gets a bit convoluted if you've got two singles and one tag, like within a stable. I mean, I know we've been conditioned to think that we need four people in stables because of the horsemen, but I, I think three can work. Yeah, it's a great point, Dom. I think I think actually keeping Thatcher out of them is probably, but unless unless it's a way to lead to Thatcher Walter, um, then then I completely agree. With them. Yeah. The, the, the other thing about the releases, Ross, actually, that that I thought possibly interesting is they. If you look at the kind of people they release, so Alexander Wolf, like European contingent, they had the um, I can't, can't remember her name. She was in the May Young Classic. Um, I'm born. No, no, Kavit. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, uh, I think she's Indian. Um, but, but so, interestingly, like, releases in place like that where you think, well, you know, Triple H's big thing a few years ago, he wanted to recreate the territory style and have, like, NXT UK and NXT Mexico, um, NXT Europe, NXT India. Like, these, interestingly, like, Alexander Wolfe, you think, would be main piece of NXT Europe you know, to release an Indian start. Like, do we think that, am, am I looking too much into it? Or do we think those plans are, 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 are no longer happening? Especially with all the issues they had with NXT Japan, trying to make that work and not really clicking. I think you might be on to something there. Um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but of course, WXW is kind of under the blanket of WWE now. And that's where I'm assuming that he's going. And he could well just be, you know, like, a trainer in that yeah some people like we we forget that not all of the releases like sometimes that is mutual aren't they like maybe maybe he missed his you know european girlfriend or something you never know like maybe he just wanted to come home and see the kids or something you never know like um, uh, what, what what odds do we get in for him being in super strong star i'll match out yeah, is he is he got a championship in WXW? He didn't he win yeah. the title? Like he won that? something, didn't he? Yeah, it wasn't the pandemic. It's it was a secondary. Yeah, shotgun title. Yeah, yeah, because it was a surprise return, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, because Bob, Bobby Bobby Guns are still the main champ there. And my uh, last little note on NXT is about. Is her name pronounced Saray? Is that how I, is that how you pronounce yeah. her name? Yeah. She is badass, isn't she? Yeah. Like, I don't quite understand how she's kind of like babyface backstage. Like, 
looking after the girls that she's been kicking in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Saying like, great match when they're just kind of like, fuck you. <laughs> it was only for that 15th drop kick. <laughs> like, honestly, like fucking watch your matches with Hashimoto. Not not that Hashimoto. Your <laughs> um, hero, Hashimoto. Fucking brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, I remember, I think one of the lads was asking about it. Could have been, could have been one of you guys before it, saying how does she compare to like the previous like NXT three like Japanese wrestlers? And said she's she's less tight than those guys in terms of like smooth, but she's fucking brutal. I love her to bits. I think she's great. That one where um, I think it was two weeks ago now, where the girl who beat Tony Storm like in a one two three kid type Stop. moment, yeah. Um, oh no 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 yeah sorry yeah yeah apologies but that, that shooting star press um she was like balanced w- with her neck on the bo- on the bottom rope and she got absolutely destroyed with the drop kick yeah 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 great uh what else anything else going on in the world of wrestling um there's another progress show I've still not seen it because I was watching Eurovision. Do you want to push that back? I've I've seen it, but we can push it back. Forget I said anything. I'll edit that out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's the. I think if I don't know if we leave it. What about what about the Bret Hart versus Karen Noir match though? What will people want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Um. I've seen like AEW and NXT UK. I've seen. If anyone's got any thoughts on those, or I watched AEW, but not much stood out to me in my mind. However, I it's the first time I've seen Anthony Agogo wrestle, mm. and um, yeah, you know what I thought. You know, I mean, he's clearly the baby face, right? <laughs> yeah. That promo is so good, where he calls Cody piss boy. I'm so I'm here all day for it. He's he's fighting for you know refugees and children in. Slave camps. How can he be the bad guy? <laughs> and and obviously Brummett said before, but he's like a champion for um, like LGBTQ plus rights as well. Yeah, yeah. He married his his, his sister to, to her now wife. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I reckon you you know what I'd really love. Obviously, because of COVID, he can't do it. But I'd love it if he turned up on like Good Morning Britain. Because like, he's the sort of guy that he does have a profile. He's an Olympic medalist. Yeah. yeah. I would love if he turned up and cut a babyface promo, like, for UK fans over here. Like, fuck, that would be so good. Like, just a proper left-wing <laughs> Labour socialist promo <laughs> on... Maybe it's, it might have to be on the BBC, you know? But, like, I would fucking love that. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a big name. I... I knew... When AEW signed him, I was like, whoa, you know, like, I knew he was. Like, I'm sure, like... Yeah. Um, How did they work around his punches, by the way? Sorry, Matt. How did they work around the 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 fact that his move is a punch? Like, was the match just a lot of punching? No. So what happened was he lands he lands a punch to the midsection, and then they Austin Gunn started spitting up blood. It was like they worked it really well, and then his finish wasn't just a punch; it was like a lift off right hand. So you know how Cesaro does the uppercut where he throws him into the air? It was that, and he just drills him in the face. Yeah. It was it was actually really cool. Like they sold they sold it incredibly, really like really really well. Yeah, yeah. Austin Gunn, who I obviously slag off whenever I can because he's an absolute noob, but he was um yeah he did well in that match. 
He won 19 matches in a row before this, which I was surprised <laughs> to see. Yeah, that's half the call-up sheet. <laughs> <laughs> or Blake Anderson. Austin oh. gun every week. <laughs> but literally, like all, they are, all these fucking like lower. They're not even mid card. It's all these undercard guys who have a fucking run on dynamite. They've all got Goldberg numbers. There was someone else that popped up. He's like he's won sixteen in a row, and it's like what? Like, um, but yeah. Do you, reckon that, um, do you reckon that Tony Khan put that finish because he likes FMW and it's the Vader versus Shamrock finish, or because of King, or, or because he w- watched? Um, Shamrock do that in the King of the Ring versus Billy Gunn. I'm going to go with, with 99. <laughs> um, my, my only notes on AEW were, and I keep, keep saying every week, fucking hell, like, the acclaimed are great, aren't they? Really good. And the I, I thought the, they did a, that match, like Mox Eddie versus the acclaimed, I wasn't interested in. But they both had a little pre-match promo segment and I just thought it sold it so well and I just thought well done AW like that is a that was a cracking little bit of just way to get me invested into a match and all, all four guys did their job even before they came he came out and did the uh is it Max Caster the rapper one yeah that I'll tell you what was, when he what, came and did the what, bit. what was cool about it Brummett to add on to that is the other I don't it's sadly I actually don't know the other guy's name um, but Ma- Max Caster's partner, what's his? Someone knows. Someone tell me. Jared Bowen. No, no he's the West Ham winner, isn't he? <laughs> Bowen, something like that. Jim Bowen. <laughs> Matthew Bowen. He was a fullback for the North Queensland Cowboys. Is it Matthew uh, Bowen, something like that? And it, that'll do. Um, <laughs> we are we sure it's even Bowen? No. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna be professional. I've I've got my Google machine. Anthony Bowens, I think. Oh, boom! Yeah, yeah. Imagine if anyone listens to this and is like, "Fuck, these guys are so knowledgeable about wrestling." <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't watch any WWE. We know about three of the guys' names in AEW. Yeah, uh, but people lost can link anything back to a Ken Shamrock match that no one remembers from forty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just went quiet when Ross said that because no one knew what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was going to say, like, what, what they did well was um, Anthony Bowen cut the promo before the match. Like, Max Caster didn't say anything. And he actually cut a good promo. And then, obviously, Caster gets to do the shine um, with the rap. Which, by the way, I know it's childish. And I know it's just the same joke every week, like, sort of you know, innuendo and it's like proper Mercutio and Romeo and Juliet shit. But I, it popped, I laughed out loud. Yeah. And I, I thought it was really funny that that little, um, and it's it, it's probably actually homophobic, but the bit about how Moxley and Eddie Kingston give each other Valentine's gifts, I, th- that, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's just basic thugonomics, isn't it? it, it <laughs> yeah, word, word life. <laughs> You, I, so I, I actually heard a rumor, brother, that you think you're untouchable. <laughs> it's, uh, but but uh, but you're right though. The the other fella, uh, Jared Bowen, Anthony Anthony Agogo Bowen, <laughs> someone Bowen Bowen Mango. He's 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 actually he's really he's really good in the mic. But obviously, Caster gets a lot of the focus. Like you said, it's, it is it is the the promo equivalent of like the workhorse and the shine tag team setup. I think that's a really good <laughs> spot. But yeah, it's uh 
it, it's yeah, he's he, he's good. He's good. I don't think those work if it's like one guy like who's great and the other one who's just a random fellow they put in. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, they're good. The, the, my only other comment is uh, is four words, which is Serena De- Deeb is ace. That match was awesome, wasn't it? She's fucking brilliant. She can't have a bad match. I'm so glad that she's had this like Indian summer in her career. It's just it's so lovely. Um, yeah, she's she's wonderful. Good stuff. Excellent. We are we winding down here on the what the nerds are watching then? I, there there's no way. I don't think we can move on without talking about A Kid versus Tyler Bay. Fuck me, that banged that match. What a match. Incredible. I'd go out of your way to watch it, guys. So good. Is it a match or is it the rules match? Is it's it the rounds match. Right. It's the British rounds match. Um, and they, they work so well. Um, I, I know I've, I keep fucking saying this. Um, I've been saying it for years, but A-Kid is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Without a caveat, just one of the best wrestlers in the world. Probably did I hear... top 10. I, I think it's fucking incredible. Did I hear you say that they've made him change his name on a previous podcast? He's, he's Kid A now, and he comes out to... Um, <laughs> no, uh, no uh, has he, Ross? I don't remember. No, no, not to my knowledge, no. Oh, I might... Hang on, I'm thinking of Lucky Kid. Yeah. Oh, yes, but, yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah. Lucky Kid had, had already changed his name in WXW. So it's not what his name is now, but, um, yeah, to kind of go to, to, to switch his gimmick over. Okay, um, all right. But, yeah, the... Um, yeah, so I don't. I don't think it was anything to do with like Kenny Williams or anything like that. So, oh, he's um, now got um, that. What they're doing with a kid is um, it's he's he's going to have a Yorkshire manager and it's going to be a kid spelt with E and a H. <laughs> Brum, I know that we've that we've spoken about this in the past about the potential of Mustache Mountain finally breaking up at some point. Yeah. The more that I, that I watch their matches, it's got to be somehow linked with that towel, right? I mean, that, I've not thought about that, Ross, but that is sick. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, you th- yeah I think you're right. A bit of a Bob Backlund, Scarlet yeah. vibe. Yeah, I think I think you're right. That that'll bang though. They've they've got to they've got to do that. The interesting thing is though, for 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 so long, I've been thinking it'd be Seven Heel versus Tyler Face. I'm not so sure. You know, they could do it the other way, and I know it's kind of it goes against things because she kind of, you know giving Tyler like a, a face rub against his, you know, his old grouchy like uncle is a, is, is, is the way to do it. But, but I think, I don't know. I think like Tyler's mannerisms recently and stuff, I think you can definitely, you know, I think switching it the other way, I'd probably have a little bit more interest in, but either way that feud will be gold. I think. Absolutely. I am um, talking of gold. I don't know how much you like it <laughs> compared to me, but how much fun is Noam Dar? His the theme song to Supernova Sessions with that kind of like mid nineties ITV like morning show theme is outrageously good. <laughs> so for those those of you that, that I didn't see it, he turned the, the which was, is everyone everyone <laughs> outside. <laughs> he turned the uh, Supernova Sessions into like a spa because it was a Dragonov at the moment is going through this period of his life where he's really angry and he can't 
control his temper because of what happened in the Volta match. And he's injuring people, whether kayfabe or um, or actually in reality, like the one against Mastiff where he broke his nose. Yeah. And, and the match had to, ha- had to stop. Um, and he's in this like dressing gown and he puts the, the like belt bit of the dressing gown over his head. <laughs> he looks absolutely ridiculous. And then he gave um, Ilya a like stress dog, like, like a therapy dog called Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely gold. Um, and Dragonov, the further that this goes on, are you starting to feel that this is going to be a bit of a hill turn, Brum? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you're probably right now. It's just, I fucking hate the Ilya storyline, by the way, from day one. Like, I know, I just think it's, I just think it's lazy. The guy, oh, he gets too angry, he can't control it, and then he eventually goes heel. It's like, I'm just, I think Ilya's a really interesting guy, and I think he's just such a wonderful face, and I think... Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not kind of interest. I'm not interested in this direction that he's going. But has he had a major hill run anywhere before? Because I didn't. I'm, I'm new to the game. Like since he turned up in progress was when I knew about him. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's start of his WXW. He was he was heel, wasn't he? Before he just kind of won the crowd over, and it was a real natural face conversion. It, if I remember rightly, I'm sure there's people listening in shouting at the screen, but I'm 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 seventy eight percent sure about that. I I always thought he was a natural heel. I'm not I'm not saying he was, but I always just like my natural reaction to him when he turned up in progress was like, who is this dipshit trying to come into my promotion and yelling at people? Calm down, fuck wit. Like, <laughs> do, you, do you remember that, Ross? Like, I, I actually like he like really got under my skin for some reason. You saw like, that tickle on the Titan Tron, and you were like, no. <laughs> yeah, I really. Like, and I, I, I really, I, and then like he sort of won me over at Wembley. I remember, like, oh, okay, yeah, I get this. But I remember up until then, I was like, no, I'm not having this. Like, get out of here, you clown. <laughs> They're not going free market filth for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, last little take on NXT UK was, um, I know that I say how much I love NXT UK because of the nuances of kind of Britishness that they put in their storylines. So Nathan Fraser challenged Shah Samuels to a match uh, last week, and in doing so, um, he interrupted Shah Samuels, sat backstage choosing his horses to, to bet on, <laughs> <laughs> and then ripped the horse, the uh, ripped the paper out of his hand, and Shah was like, "I'm trying to pick my nags here." <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you next week. <laughs> that cool. sounds amazing. <laughs> um, two things I watched this week were not in the ring. Two documentaries. I watched, um, as I mentioned in the group, I watched the Rob Van Dam one on WWE Icons. Look, if you if if you like Van Dam as much as our, our host Dom, then there's nothing, no new ground there. But WWE's uh, documentary stuff is always produced really well. So it's just a really good journey up through Rob Van Dam's career for an hour and a half. Um, really good. Um, they don't really, they jump out like between, they talk about the uh, invasion in detail. They talk about his ECW run in detail. And then they kind of jump forward to the title run and the controversy. And, 
you know, he talks about it openly or as open as WWE want it to be spoken about, I guess. Um, so I think that's a pretty fun documentary that's out there. I like all their documentary series, really. And um, Dark Side of the Ring was really enjoyable as well, I thought. The uh, Collision in Career episode. Um, Scott Norton came across like a fun bloke, I thought. <laughs> fun in the wrestling sense of he still scares me and I don't know if he'd like me, but yeah. he's a good storyteller. I must admit, I do, like, I do like fun boy Scott Norton as a gimmick. It <laughs> on Thunder in like 2000 at some point. <laughs> yeah, I must admit that I had um, bells ringing off every time that Scott Norton was talking about the likes of. Um, so basically, Scorpio was on the bus and Hawk called him the N word on the bus. And I think Scott Norton described it as Hawk said something that Hawk would say. <laughs> And if Hawk wasn't on meds, then he'd have kicked, kicked, kicked his ass. So, yeah, I was like, okay, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> they, the, the, I love the way they were describing the crowd, like the complete non-reaction, how much it was clearly annoying them. They <laughs> yeah. weren't getting reactions, like they're bumping for these people that just don't know what they're watching. There was it a... takes Inoki at the age of whatever he was to come out and face Flair before they care about anything. Got... Um... Scott Norton also called that um, match, the main event, the greatest match of all time. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was also quite a funny part where Eric Bischoff was like, oh, it was terrible. People were petrified of us because we were from the States because they're taught that, taught that we're evil. And then 10 American guys turn up on North Korea and Scorpio tries to murder Hawk. So clearly they're pretty evil people. <laughs> yeah, I bet I've moaned about this. Like Bishop's retelling of history really annoys me. Every story has him like the hero. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was the ending shot where he basically was saying that screw you, Vince, Vince McMahon, this was a bigger show than WrestleMania. The only problem, and then he was like, but the only problem was that n- that nobody knew what was going on and everyone had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like most modern WrestleManias, really. <laughs> if you would... Yeah, he's such a little, like, he, he, I hate how he tries to make out like he's, like, professional when he's just always been just carny as fuck. You know what I mean? Just own it. Just be like, oh, yeah, yeah I got that one wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a reason or an excuse. or Yeah. Yeah. If you would like some more in-depth uh, analysis of Collision in Korea, we did it for a um, nerd watch one time over on our website, wrestlingshouldbefun.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable includes Untapped Potential and the best in the world. This is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Round Table. Ever felt like this? How strange things happen. Are you going round the twist? Have you ever, ever felt like this? How strange things happen. Okie main event time. Uh, Wrestling Should Be Fun Round Table. We've got two topics for this week. I'm kicking it off today. Um, so I've been thinking, fellas, I was recently watching, I watched the Will Ospreay versus Shingo match. And I know that we spoke about it here and some of the criticisms of it were like, it's really, really good, 
but um, it's these two guys not working their best style. Maybe it's a bit slow um, and, it, and impactful rather than what probably could have been a sprint. It could have been a 20-minute match where they just went balls to the wall. And then I was thinking to myself, I was like, is this not a bit harsh on Will Ospreay? Like when, you know, when he works his more, I guess, junior heavyweight style, people say, oh, well, he's not as good as Okada because Okada does the fucking long psychology shit. He's not as good as Randy Orton because Randy Orton does the stomps in his match. And then, and then, well, Osprey's like, well, I can do that too. So then he slows down and he works a 45-minute clinic which I thought was really, really good. I couldn't understand any criticism of it, to be honest. I'm, I mean, I'm not a star rating guy. I'm not going to be here saying, oh, it's six stars or whatever the fuck he said. But I I watched it and I thought it was great. And then I'm just like, well, if I'm with Osprey, I must be sitting around going, well, what the fuck do I have to do for these people to just say that I'm the best wrestler in the world? Because he can do it all. And I'm not... My, my argument here today is not that Will Ospreay is the best wrestler in the world. But my question is, what does he have to do to be considered the best wrestler in the world? And what do you guys consider is the criteria? Because I can't, like for me, I put him above Okada. But every time that it gets mentioned, oh, who's the best wrestler? For some reason, it's like Okada's this protected species. Like, oh, no, I have to show everyone how intelligent and how cool I am by knowing who Okada is. I just don't get it. And, I mean, I'm not saying he's not good, but, I mean, I, I think that I think that Osprey can do everything he does and more. Um, so that's my controversial statement, my hot take. What is it that would make Okada better than Osprey and what does Osprey have to do to be considered the best wrestler in the world? And I will just say a quick caveat. I should have said this at the start. Um, I'm just talking about in the wrestling industry, I don't want this to go down anything about, oh, Will Ospreay's a bad guy outside of the ring and all that stuff. Let's leave that behind. Let's just talk about wrestling today. I guess my, my two cents are on it, Dom, and obviously I think that because wrestling's not like a sport, you can't, you know, those those barometers, like benchmarks, are a lot, a lot, a lot harder to, to use. But I think, I think if you compare it to something like acting, you know, it, it, which it's, you know, it's a lot more intangible like that. And I think it's, you know, I, I think with Ospreys, he can do everything and does everything. And in that match with Shingo, it's incredible, and he's he's so tight, and he's just, he's just obviously technically everything about him. He's a fantastic worker, but it's almost like if you see. If you go to see, like, I don't know, Richard II at the theatre or whatever, and Mark Rylance is playing him, and Mark Rylance is just fucking incredible at what he does. He's a favourite actor. Um, I know he's got a bit more commercial these days, but, you know, good luck to him for a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a paycheck. But, you know, the way he just encapsulates a character and just drags you onto the stage with him and just makes... and It's just the most captivating performances. And next to him... There could be like Dean Gaffney, like juggling, doing really good impressions, you know, and doing, you know, lots of technical things, like, which is really impressive and ticks all the boxes. But Dean Gaffney wouldn't captivate me like Mark Rylance would. And I think that's an exaggerated compar uh, 
um, parable for Akada versus Osprey. Osprey is incredible, and and I am not, I'm not kind of knocking knocking Osprey. I think for 2018, 2019, his or 1920, I think 18, 19 are the two years. Average match quality, you know, knocking out bangers every week. Best kind of wrestler in the world in inverted commas from a kind of a a week to week standpoint but the issue is i think osprey at his peak just can't captivate me the level that akada can i think the way that akada tells stories in the ring is just his title run every match you just must watch him he's just like a craftsman in, in a way that you know masao is kabashi is i i uh, I don't think that I don't think Osprey has done that for me, and but like, I I, I recognise that that's personal and subjective, and it's not a it's not a technical issue. It's a, a it's a it's a theatrical issue rather than a technical issue for me. Excellent input. I probably would have been able to relate more to maybe Al Pacino and Adam Sandler, but I I did get your point, even though I've never heard of either of those two actors. <laughs> Con man, you're a huge fan of the the Akada run. What what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I can imagine if you're not on the Akada train, it gets so annoying to hear people say how bloody brilliant Akada is all the time. So I I can, can relate to you with that, Dom, because I get the opposite feeling with Will Osprey. As I think I've said in the group quite a few times, Osprey's never been a guy that's made me want to watch shows. That's not me saying he's not one of the most talented guys in terms of what he can do. Technically speaking, his moveset, especially when he was in the juniors division, was right up there with in terms of variety. Um, I just never really cared who ever won a Will Ospreay match. I was never invested. And maybe you guys, um, Dom and Ross, especially being through that progress run when Ospreay was on his way up, I can imagine there's a much bigger uh, emotional attachment to seeing a guy literally grow in front of you into what is he is at least considered, I would say. I know what you're saying, Dom, about not being considered the best in the world. Maybe I would say in most people's conversations, he would reach top five, top 10 wrestlers yeah. in the world. I think, I think he does get a lot of credit. And I think for whatever reason, he's slightly dropped off because of the way New Japan have booked generally. I think that's where he's suffering more. I don't feel like this title run was now. It didn't need to come now. Uh, like it's too soon. That's why my investment in him is zero as well. Like he's put a group together and, and he's won the title. And like, there's no journey. Like the whole point of why I used to like New Japan was every single person who was getting involved in the title picture had to go on these long, epic journeys. Now, whether you like that story or not with the Naito, with an Omega, with a Carter, just continually coming back to the belt, a Tanahashi comes back to the belt. They all had a story and a reason for why they would be in that title picture. And Osprey's kind of just been like, yeah, he has good matches. So now he's the guy. I can't get behind that storyline as much as I have with, if we're using the example of a Carter. Like I, I'm with Brum in that. That Akada title run to me is like so special. Every match is a different story told with the same moves. Like he's just, I think he's a genius. So like I'm I'm the guy that probably bores you telling you how good Akada is. Well, it, yeah, that's that's why I brought it up. So I, I wanted people to have the chance to have a gallop, you know? Mm. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's, really, it's a really good question, Dom, because it is, it's just so intangible and it is, it's really hard to word. That's why I had to talk about Dean Gaffney juggling for a bit because <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's so intangible because there's not, you know, like there's nothing that Osprey does that you can knock on paper, but I think you're right. I think Matt summed it up is that just that investment 
in, in his matches. And, and, and actually, the, the side note I thought was really interesting, uh, Connolly's point about um, about that, that, that journey compared to previous champions. And you can throw evil in that bucket as well. Um, just... it, with the evil one, not to get completely off topic, with, with the evil one, I didn't mind it so much because it was like a big shock and a shake-up. So it was like, wow, bang, we're doing this and it's happened. And it, it, in hindsight, it didn't work out because they took the belt off him 40 days later or whatever. But I liked the fact it was kind of a sharp reset with the evil one. With the Osprey one, like, there is no journey. Like, he's just, he's just, oh, he's got a bit bad now. He's put some big lads with him and he's won the belt. Like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't, it leaves me cold. Yeah. If Osprey beat, if Osprey beat Okada for the title, it might have meant... Yeah, if they could have built that, to that. Because that was, that was more of a story, I guess. Mm. Um, so I do understand that. Now, I so I've painted myself as the big Osprey fan here, but actually Ross is uh, has always been the Osprey guy. So I'm interested to hear what Ross Spray has to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, what, what sets the likes of Okada apart from Osprey up until this point is one the fact that 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 Okada was doing it for so long in so say the most important prestigious championship um what's the word like path run yeah like when did he first win the IWGP 2011 something like that yeah maybe 2012 around then so he's been in the picture for almost 10 years the runs that that he's had have been absolutely fantastic he's he's promoted like a champion even when he's not the champion apart from that time that he was running around with that red balloon but that was pretty fun too (laughs) um but it's but it's the prestige about okada it's it's that iwgp heavyweight title the the one that's that's sadly gone now and Osprey, he won the title, but it but it's that new butterfly wing title for one. Two, he's he's had to relinquish it sadly through injury. And in a similar way, I de- like I never bought Naito as a real ch- ch- like champion because it was all about the run to get there for him, and then he lost it immediately, pretty much both times, right? Like it, like like he feels like a bit of a flat champion, whereas. Okada, even when he's not champion, he feels like he's the champion. Him and Tanahashi, but now that Tanahashi's on the way out, it's really only Okada to me that feels like that. When Osprey is in Britain, he feels like Okada. If he's the ace, isn't he? He's the ace of Britain. If if Osprey's on a card in Britain, like like the like the reasoning to, 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 to be on that show is tenfold and he's treated as such currently in japan even with the title run and like you say matt he's been put in that um stable he's created that stable but that stable doesn't come across as main event to me either which is a problem it comes across as mid card and until he has a run that puts him on a pedestal that's when Osprey becomes a true opponent for Okada as the man, in, in my opinion, and he's and he's more than capable of doing it. But up, but up, but up until this point, he's he's a he's a he's an an incredible wrestler that 
is picking up six star matches at will, but he's not seen in my eyes as the guy, even when he was the champion. All all fair points, and I and I do agree with you all to a certain extent. Maybe it's just it's just a connection thing um, for me with Okada. I and I framed as Osprey versus Okada, but I what I enjoyed is just sort of the insight into what you guys all kind of feel makes the best wrestler in the world. Um, so for Brummett, it's about uh, you know performance, not just in the ring, but as a whole package. For Ross, it seems a little bit even, and I dare I say, like maybe even a little bit more kayfabe about like success and about your ability to carry a company, which are like, which you know, I see that side of things as well. Um, it, yeah, it's it, and then like obviously Connolly is more of the Okada uh, fan, so you know he he was able to give me that the reasons why Okada was the best. So um, yeah, no, just great great discussions, and like uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, Great stuff, lads. Great question, mate. Yeah, it is a great question. And also, I should say, like, I'm sure we're all the same in that if we're talking ability, like, I bet Osprey is probably in one of all of the top five matches we've seen live or something, right? Like, yeah. two of my best live matches I've ever seen are Osprey v Phoenix and Osprey v Sabre Jr. And last year, like, he's he can have a great match when you're there live as well. Like, then matches are even better, aren't they? Those high energy ones, so. My 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 legitimate two favorite live matches were both Osprey, yeah. Osprey versus Girl at Ring of Honor, and Osprey versus Havoc in the ballroom. The the uh whatever the whatever it was the last. They've aged well. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. All is, love. Is, is that the two out of three falls, Dom? Yeah, the with the one with the with the entrances and the Essex destroyer off the balcony and the fucking the the curb stomps and Robinson coming in, I, I get them confused because I drink a bit of progress shows. But that I just remember feeling like that match was just for me. It was like, I think it went for like it was something like fifty minutes in length, mm-hmm. and for me it was like fifty seconds in length. I remember just being like, this is like the best main event I've ever seen. Like I just loved it so much at the time. And I've never watched it back because I don't. I just want to remember it drunkenly and the atmosphere of it. And also because I don't really watch a lot of Jimmy Havoc or Marty Skrull matches anymore. But yeah. But um. But yeah, Dom. So, so actually, the two two matches that you you both mentioned the the two out of three falls match versus Havoc and the um and the Saber one uh, um uh, uh, Rev Pro are, are definitely in my top five matches I've seen live. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I think you won't be far behind actually. The uh, the the, the the crazy ladder war that, that swords versus Aussie Open I thought was was incredible. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, I, and and that, that's part of the thing for me with Osprey, mate. It's just because I live in Britain. I'm sure, like what Ross said, like I live in Britain. I don't live in Japan, and I'm not going to be here. One of these people that says, "Oh no, I don't, I don't understand Okada because he doesn't speak English." Like I'm not a hick. Like I, it's just a case of for me, I. I, I I relate more to the story of like the, you know, kid that had a learning disability from Essex and, you know, crawled his way and scratched and clawed from trampolines to the main event. To me, I relate to that story more than, you know, the the, the fucking Surav Ganguly uncrowned king, Okada, you know, it's what he was always going to be. And then he just, you know, it was just destiny, wasn't it? So that's just me. That's just my story. That's just a story that I enjoy more. 
Yeah, and, and, and I think with these things, it's not like I don't think anyone's saying that Osprey's like average. He's like a you know an, an incredible, outrageously incredible talent. You know, in terms of what he does, I think it's just like I said, it's it's that subjective element that I think you know I think certain wrestlers speak to some of us more than others. Yeah, everyone knows Adam Sandler's the best actor in the world. <laughs> uh, Matt, Maddie C, you're you're our second. Uh, man up today. No, someone is. No, not me. Not me. I can't remember who came up with the topic. Was it Brummett? Yeah, Brummett. yeah. I think I, th- I think I think it. I think it's me, lads. Um, yeah, sorry, was, sorry, brother. Sorry, Matty B. I'm deeply offended, mate. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I was just gonna chat about it. It's a bit of a bit of a default one, but I think an interesting topic of wrestlers who who we think should have made it but didn't quite. And obviously, that's a you know. A, a, very subjective in itself what your class is making it and and did someone do it or not but um you know it's i think it's something you go with your gut so uh is there any before i've i've got a few that i've thought of but um i thought i'll let you lads um go first just in case we have any crossovers or anything like that yeah i'll go i've got um two that come to mind that I, I didn't go for like, but guys, there's there's a list as long as anything of guys that like didn't get booked right or whatever, right? Um, I didn't go down that route, like, because there's loads of them that went into a company it just didn't fit. Um, I, I tried to think of guys that like something happened or whatever and it just never even really got off the ground. Yeah. And I always think of Sean O'Hare as being a guy that should have been it. He had everything, yeah. like charisma. He was good in the, from what I remember, he was really good in the ring, but I don't know if I'm, over exaggerating how good he was but he had the size the look like I, I don't know how it didn't quite fall. we had that quite interesting devil's advocate character on smackdown that looked like it was going to take him to the moon with piper as manager i think as well for a short spell and obviously he had uh, personal issues by the looks of it and i'm not quite sure whether it was drugs or whatever but he, he um he's a guy that i just thought should have gone to the moon and didn't and um in japan i remember as I'm a fan of a thick boy, uh, when they had Japanese vampire Brian Cage, Kitamura, was that his name? Who just uh, was a young boy and he was just massive. And he just used to chop really hard a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, he's going to win everything. Uh, and then I think he just quit wrestling because he was like on a lot of steroids. He, and, um, he actually had, um, I think he actually had a really bad motorbike accident. Oh, that yeah, I think I remember hearing that, yeah. Um, I thought they were, he was going to go to the moon. He was fantastic. He I realise everyone's going to the moon here, but um, yeah. He was the most top heavy, top heavy wrestler I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Thick two Cs. Great. Quick one, Matt. Just jumping back. On Sean O'Hare, I might have made this up. Um, I'm sure one of you will correct me. I'm sure I heard some talk about there was an issue with him that when they when they kind of did like house shows and got him to like cut promos in that style... It just didn't really live up to the vignettes, um, but I'm that could be utter bullshit. Ross, Dom, have you heard anything like that before? That you forget, and obviously it's personal issues. But I think that was a part of it. That actually, when he when he got on when he actually got on stage and did it live, it just didn't. He, he wasn't able to deliver it well. Well, I so don't. Ross, know. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Ross. I was going to say you're the man to ask because that's actually a black spot for me um, in WWE history mm-hmm. because for for some reason there was a TV contract dispute in Australia and we lost SmackDown for about twelve months and it was in that twelve months that that happened. So I used to have to like catch up on SmackDown by watching Velocity um, because we just didn't get it for like a year for some reason there was like a contract dispute in Australia. Sorry, Ross, you tell well, us. What actually was that? Was that like oh two oh three or was it later than that? 
Yeah, so it was like after the alliance. Yeah, like, think- it was like it was like SmackDown Six time. So like when everyone else was talking about the SmackDown Six, I didn't. I I I just didn't see it. They pushed um they pushed a load of guys around that time who all looked the same, like uh, Jindrak obviously was in there. Heidenreich, uh, was it Lance Cade? Was that his name that died young as well? Like another yeah. big. Was Matt Morgan around at that time? Matt Morgan's another one. There was so many that looked like that that they were pushing. Yeah. So in terms of the Sean O'Hare thing, I don't know the stories around the backstage stuff thing at all. Sorry, Brum. But, but like, I would say from retrospectively watching that stuff was that tag team wrestling seemed to hide his blemishes yeah. and, and he looked spectacular in a tag team and he looked spectacular in a smaller ring as well. I think it made him look even like bigger and just like gargantuan in that WWE ring. And as a solo, it just, like for me, it, like I like I kind of understand where you're coming from with that kind of stuff that he just couldn't quite pull it off where he just didn't quite have all the elements to his game yet. And I know that they put Piper with him, which, which was clearly, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a cheat code, isn't it? Um, <laughs> to like put someone like that with him um, to try and learn off. But yeah, I just don't think that he fitted at that point in his, his career. He wasn't quite ready for a solo push. Um, I've got a couple, if you don't mind me going next, Ross. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, like, there's a couple of different ways to look at the question. Like, I don't know, if someone makes it to WWE and has a mid-card run, is that making it? I don't know. Um, from that perspective, I think, you know, one that feels kind of obvious as a guy who never got a world title run, and he's still there at the moment, maybe Shelton Benjamin. Um, someone that, you know, really felt like he was ready to pop, like, in that, I don't know if it was the first draft or the second draft, and he went to Raw and he beat Triple H on that first night. And, you know, it really felt like he was going to, you know, have a chance to be a main eventer, but didn't quite come through. Um, I've got three names here who are indie darlings who, if their career ran 10 years later, I think they'd all be in NXT, but because they're just, like, maybe a bit older and like, as indie stars, like, maybe they didn't quite make it. So... Like, obviously, I know low-key had a run in WWE, but it wasn't much job as Cavall. Like, I think, you know, if if 2002, when low-key was hot as fuck, was, you know, 2022, like, there'd be no question that he'd be in NXT right now ripping it up, as would his mate Homicide, um, and as would uh, Mike Quackenbush, I think. I think they just all just maybe a little bit old and didn't quite get the chance. Um, and... If they came after, you know, the the trailblazers of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, um, I think that they'd all probably have had a chance. Um, I do have two more. I hope I'm not stealing all of Ross's. Um, One that stood out for me uh, was the Monster Abyss. Um, I just, I really think he could have drawn absolute huge dollars in WWE. And I just, I just, and I think, I know he's, he works there now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I know, and I'm sure he makes a good living and he's providing for his family. I'm sure he's very happy, but I just feel like if WWE pulled the trigger on him, you know, when Abyss was wrestling for the X Division title against AJ Styles, I mean, that guy, like what what sort of matches could he have had in WWE, like with athletic big men or, you know, The Undertaker or like, I think about people like Umaga or 
you know, guys like that, like what sort of feuds could he have had? And the last one, um, top of the list for me, and this one is more because of personal issues. He just he just shot himself in the in the foot too many times. But there's a guy by the name of Josh Bowden, who I thought the first time I saw him, I was like, this kid is money. And I just always thought that Josh Bowden. I, I thought, I honestly, I thought that Josh Bowden was going to be the Pete Dunn. Like in my mind, they were one A and one B. I thought they were sim- like, and then I'm talking not now. But when I first saw them, when I first moved to the UK six years ago, they were the two guys that stood out to me, Pete Dunn and Josh Bowden. And I thought, and then when Dunn sort of, you know, was making waves, I was like, Bowden's next. Bowden's going to be the next guy. Like, he's just incredible. Um, but, you know, he's just a bit of a dropkick, unfortunately. It's, it's interesting, Tom, that you mentioned Homicide and Abyss. I think people forget, like... In TNA, how incredibly over Abyss and LAX at their pomp were, like first first edition. So I say yeah. first second edition. So well, actually, say slight second edition when Hernandez joined, but like yeah. fucking mega stars, like and you think like they, yeah. And I just think that those things that get lost in history a bit. So I was really glad that you, you brought that because I think people just forget Abyss how much of a fucking star he was and how important he was to. TNA success at the time. He 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 really people forget like in that first year or so like he was actually like he was having the best match on the card as well. You know he wasn't like in his later years. I think his body started to break down because he's a big guy and he can't move around like that. You know by the time he actually did get his big push with Hogan and stuff, I think his body was broken down. But when he was like wrestling AJ and like D'Lo Brown and like rest like he he was just having. Banger after banger, like yeah, incredible. He came over to Doncaster for one PW. It was fucking brilliant. Absolutely. Really, yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I hope I haven't stolen too many of Ross's ideas. Um, I've just got two where uh, injury slash health issues caused them to not get their kind of dream moves, and that was Nigel McGuinness. Oh, yeah. Not being able to get to take that WWE contract because of his um, health issues. You get the impression that he, that he could have been absolutely everything or absolutely nothing in terms of WWE, um, but it's something that he clearly wanted so much. And the, the fact that it took him five, six, seven years to, to, get, it, to, to, to get over it proves that. Um, and it's just, it's just a, a sad tale, isn't it, of um, someone that bled for his, <laughs> bled like bled for his money, and that was what caused uh, the end of his dream. Um, and that's the reason that obviously he fights against um, blood in wrestling. Um, and the other for me was uh, TK Cooper, in that that injury that he got in America when he did that that corkscrew moonsault and dislocated his ankle and broke it, I think. It came at a time when NXT UK was blowing up and people were getting signed and he didn't get signed. And then obviously there was some other stuff going on in his life that affected him as well. And it seemed to knock him back two, three years. And it's such a shame because we saw the best of TK Cooper um, during that during that heel run with TK and Dahlia. And he felt like very much someone that could have improved that NXT UK roster. And the fact that that is still not there is a massive shame. But hopefully 
him and Chuck can um, impress enough on the network and uh, Smallman can bring them in. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure everyone's going to say this, but we have, his story's not finished. There's still, there's still plenty of time for TK. And and obviously we're, we're as big as supporters here on Wrestling Should Be Fun as well. Like it goes without saying. If you're listening, TK, we, we got your back, brother. So I think I've, my, my three have made it through unscathed um so far i think mine are more, a bit more like probably pitch more like Connolly's. um so guys that didn't didn't quite quite get there i've gone kind of three guys from like kind of a bit more different promotions i'm gonna kick off with richie steamboat um so it, last ever fcw champ before it, it turned into nxt and i was back in my wild youth i was doing the fcw um reviews like pw torch and i was just i thought like he was steamboat's guy didn't have all like the fancy moves or anything like that it wasn't a big guy anything he just had that a bit like his dad just that, that in-ring charisma like his his face in peril stuff was just i just thought he was great and i, I thought he was going to be a massive star um and yeah unfortunately just um the back injury did him in and he, you know, got like about nine years ago, like 25, he, uh, he retired. So, uh, yeah, just, and he could have, he just was so like, yeah, just, I don't know if any of you guys any caught any of his work, but like, I literally, I just, I just thought as, as an old school, like baby face type wrestler, not, not really like a modern wrestler at all, but just an old school, like, Territory's baby face was just unbelievable. I think I saw a little bit of his stuff. I could be wrong, but I, I started watching OVW for a period of time because CM Punk was on it. Mm. And I, I think I maybe came across a bit of him there. Or I've seen him somewhere, but I just can't remember where. I think that might have been it. Ross, have you seen him? He'd be right up your street. Um, I wasn't able to catch any of the FCW stuff, mm. um, which, which, is, which is a shame. Um, I heard that he got like a really bad injury, right? It's like a really yeah, bad back injury. Back injury. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he got so he got initially injured and then kind of came back. At the, the early days of NXT, he popped in for a little bit. So then I think he was in the initial kind of title tournament, whatever, and went out early. But he was around a bit. Um, and I think it was in a feud with Ono at the start of it, I think. Um, but uh yeah just but yeah his back injury just just ended his career really sad like i said 25 years old um it's probably 23 24 um and he was just yeah just really good he's actually on on www.youtube.com i think it's youtube or one of the other video sites just google it he had a 30 minute ironman match against cesaro with regal and jr on commentary definitely worth half an hour time you, you see what he's what he does you know cesaro being brilliant and him being you know against uh yeah against the kosh yeah. did he suffer at all from because he looks so much like his dad yeah he does yeah did he suffer at all from like being a bit just like ricky steamboat light or i think i think if anything it worked in his favor because i think some of the kind of the face in peril stuff like which was obviously really exciting, i think other people may look at it and, and and kind of see oh it's just a bit standard but you kind of think oh it's his fucking dad that's his dad's yeah. kid and it got you behind him even more I, other people may have thought otherwise but i yeah i loved him 
Um, and, I, and I actually thought it actually helped rather than hinder. Yeah, fair. You got? Did you say you had a couple others, bro? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'll go... A guy I actually mentioned before, another shout out to uh, wrestlingshouldbefun.com. I think when we talked about underrated, I mentioned this lad. Um, and he was around Shikara again, Cesaro, when he was Castagnoli, Hero, Eddie Kingston, um, Orange Cassidy as Fire Ant, when that roster was just red hot. Um, a guy who was on it who I loved and just never, never really, and never made it to the big time. He's, I think he's still doing stuff now, but. Um, Tim Donst, I thought it was fucking brilliant. Like when he he started off and out of the gates, he was really good. Like, he was trained by guys like Hero and Quackenbush and Skadey and stuff like that. So, and he was just he was a, like had a technical wrestling gimmick at the start. He was like an amateur wrestler, but um, and his face in peril stuff was fantastic. Then he turned heel, was part of the big BDK faction and that storyline. Um, and then after it, you know, had a had a really good heel run on his own, um, but just never really clicked. His biggest moment was he won. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tonio Cybernetico, um, the Shikara. Yeah. It's it's this like it's basically it's massive Shikara match, do once a year where it's two, two big um, like factions or it's like seven on seven or whatever match elimination, but you. Um, you don't have to tag in. It can be, you can do lucha exits, but it has to go in order. So if you come out of the ring, the wrestler behind you in the order basically has to follow you. But anyway, it's a cracking match. And then what happens is, if at the end of the match, there's more than one person on one side who hasn't been eliminated, they then have to fight each other. So there's one man left standing. And the, the peak is probably the 2010 one, which is like the BDK storyline which is amazing but then i think 2011 donst finished second was runner up but then 2012 um he he wins it and it it's basically there's team roh so you've got like the briscoes kevin steen the books i think jacobs is there against the shikara team um so which is led by eddie kingston and then basically comes down to donst and kingston in the end who had a feud going on and Don's just like just fucking screws over Kingston and goes like full full blown psycho heel on him, and it leads up to the Shikara finale of 2012. And unfortunately, it's a good match, but it's not a particular great match. And I sometimes think if that match really delivered, and Don's and Kingston had like a, an absolute banger, I think maybe he'd have been propelled. But it just he was good in it. He works Kingston's back, and it's a it's a good match, but. He just, I think that was his peak, and he never really kind of exploded after then, which I think is a shame because I think it was great on the mic, great in the ring, so charismatic. He's he had he also had that like kind of all Japan fighting spirit, I think style when he was when he was a face. He's just sorry, I get I talk about Tim Don's too much. I think he's he's brilliant. I I didn't see a lot of Donst in Shikara, but I'm sure I saw a bit of him in CZW. Um, where he like so he'd come in and obviously it's a bit of a hardcore ultraviolet promotion sometimes and he'd come in uh, and work that sort of amateur gimmick with the headgear and stuff I'm pretty sure yeah. from 
right? Was he, is Tim Dons, is he connected to Drew Gulak in some way? Did they, did they team or do they wrestle famously? Like in my mind, there's like a connection there in CCW. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, Cause in, in Chicago, Gulak would have been um, work around at that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Soldier Ant? Is he Soldier Ant and Worker Ant? I get mixed up. No, yeah. he must have been, been Worker Ant, surely, because that's Gulak is the worker, right? That's I thought that was the whole, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, so you work around, yeah. yeah, yeah. Soldier Ant, Tracy Williams? I, I get them all mixed up. I think he's fire, isn't he? Cassidy was fire Ant. Um, I think so, yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah. There you go. And f- finally, um, I assume no one's got any hot, hot, hot takes on Tim Dons. But um, finally, I'm going to go... Go UK. I'm even going to go even closer. Walthamstow lad um, uh, from which is my my area of London. Um, Jody Fleisch. Um, I remember the first time seeing him and just being like, "Fucking hell, who is this guy?" Like he was just the most exciting wrestler to watch. Like seven twenty DDT. Him and Johnny Storm just tearing it up all over the place. Just I actually I actually bumped into him outside Walthamstow Station. Still lives around here. Um, and I chewed his ear off about one PW, and he was a, a lovely bloke and didn't run away from me or anything. And yeah, just it's just so fucking good. Um, first, first person I ever saw do the shooting star, like a springboard shooting star press to the outside. That, that wall run as well, like that he did. God, that's just outrageous. Like talent, and, and I think if he was again talking about years, years different, I think if he came at a different period, um, maybe a little bit later, I think he could have caught fire even more so on the US scene because, um, yeah, he was just brilliant. And, and actually, talk about CZW Dom, I think again, just Google it, it, it's there. But him and Johnny Storm from I know they've had a million matches, um, both as a tag team and, and against each other, but in the CZW Best of the Best two series. Um, yeah. Flash versus Storm there is a cracking match and the crowd are red hot for it as well it's really worth taking out it's a bit potato grab style in terms of the, the, the quality of it but it's fucking great you can't go those those early CCW best of the best were absolutely outstanding you can't go wrong with them just like ruckus on fire yeah unreal some of those early ones are really really good yeah I, th- I think it's the second one I might be wrong but it is, it's one of the early ones yeah yeah they're still like yeah, the first or the second one, like amazing red was in it. The SAT were in it. Like like it was just ridiculous, like a ridiculous like all time greats of like cruiserweight wrestling. So, yeah. And a really hot crowd as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, should we do some book of bingo, lads? E I N G O and bingo was his name. Oh. This is Booker Bingo. Sounds lovely. Who's in charge? <laughs> I know it's not me. It's not Evan Wobbs, I'm in charge this week, yeah. I've got it open. Are you ready? Booker Bingo. I am, I am Paul. Okay. It's a British affair. It's Flash Morgan Webster against Laura Di Matteo. Fucking intergender again. <laughs> okay, I got, I got, I'll go, I'll go, I got one. All right. So this is based on a, this is based on a true story. This, this actually happened to 
an unnamed member of the Wrestling Should Be Fun group. Um, let's call him 90s MK. No, that's too obvious. Let's say N Mike K. No, that's too obvious as well. What about 90s M Knight? Um, so one time uh, 90s Mike was in Tesco and he realised that um, the person in front of him was Laura DiMatteo. And he overheard a conversation where a worker at Tesco tried to um, chip Laura DiMatteo for, like, doing something wrong. Like, she was trying to get away with, like, um, not buying her plastic bags or something, like not paying 10p or something like that. This isn't the exact story, but something like that. And when the Tesco employee came over to her and said, oh, what are you doing? She turned around and kayfabed it by saying, I don't speak English in her Italian accent. And Mike was standing behind, like, I know who you are. So this is so based on that true story, this is what's going to happen. So Flash Morgan Webster is a Tesco employee. And um, so it's ex exactly that story. Um, and then the match comes about where, like, Laura DiMatteo on, like, TV vignettes for weeks has been, like, getting away with, like, trying to not pay for her Tesco bag for life's 10p a throw. So, you know, she's racked up a massive, massive bill. And we've been watching as the audience, Laura DiMatteo, she's now up to, like, you know, 60p. She owes the, the poor struggling company of Tesco. Until one week, we see her come across employee of the month, manager of the um, what's a what's a town in Wales that's not Cardiff? Undudno. Um, the Abu Aberswith with Aberwith. What is it? Aberswith. <laughs> Aberystwyth. So she got now she's going into the Aberystwyth uh, Tesco, and uh, Flash Morgan Webster's the manager, and he's like, oi. You can't be doing that. This is Wales. You're not in Roma now. And Laura Di Matteo says, oh, sorry, I don't speak English. Bellissimo spaghetti type of thing. Racist. And I, I don't think that's that racist. It's just a funny <laughs> joke about food. I'm a fat guy. You know, that's not, it's just a funny little joke. So, so anyway, so then Flash is like, no, no, no. I know who you are. You're um, intercontinentally famous, Laura Di Matteo. I'll see you next week, not in the ring, but in a Tesco car park with brawl. So anyway, next week, we're all excited for it. Um, and the, the, obviously the stakes of it, the prize, is the 60p that Laura Di Matteo owes Tesco, the global corporation. So if Flash Morgan Webster wins, Laura Di Matteo has got to pay back the 60p that she owes. If Laura Di Matteo wins, Flash Morgan Webster has to give up his £5 an hour job at Tesco. <laughs> And they and they wrestle in the car in the car park at Tesco. You know, there's people in their car, like there's teenagers in the backseat of their car smoking marijuana whilst the match is going on. There's like, you know, other people doing donuts. There's people like riding around in trolleys causing a ruckus. And uh, who's going to win this? Uh, I think like uh, Flash Morgan Webster wins it and defends the honour of the Aberyst with uh, Tesco and wins the 60p back with his new finishing move called Every Little Bit Helps. <laughs> so he, he, he hits the ELBH for the one, two, three. Flash Morgan Webster defends Tesco. 
Right, I'll, I'll let um, I'll let Conman do his usual main event spot. Um, the, and win, uh, <laughs> and win. <laughs> no pressure. Um, um, right, so I'm going to go. Um, uh, something for you all to look forward to. First show back at the ballroom. Progress. All right, obviously, progress at his pomp would go and get Samoa Joe, Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa, all these big names from the states. Obviously, with the current scenario, loads of people signed up and whatever. It's it's hard to do that, but they want to get you know they need to bring in a couple of big imports. So, um, but they keep it a surprise who it's going to be. But you know, it's going to be someone someone big. Um, the uh, Morgan Webster has a singles match, beats um, NXT UK free him up to to to, to fight in progress. He has a singles match, goes over Elijah or something like that, and then you get. Uh, blackout in the ballroom. Everyone's like, who is it? Who is it? Lights come on. Juice and Domino. And Cherry, was it? Anyway, Juice and Domino. And they just beat the shit out of Flash Morgan Webster. The crowd got a while. Two biggest imports that probably Progress have ever, ever booked. Beating the, you know, everyone remembers their, their massive SmackDown title, uh, tag title run. It, beating the shit out of um, Flash Morgan Webster. And everyone's like, what's 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 uh everyone thinks what's going on what have juice and domino got against flash and then the one who was better in the mic the non-annoyer is it cliff compton was he juice or domino yeah. anyway um gets the mic and goes fuck you flash we hate mods because we're rockers and everyone clicks like oh my god right and then you get this big quadrophenia feud with um with Juice and Domino coming against Flash. And um, and Flash is like, try to get Mark Andrews to help him. But Andrews is like, no, I'm a, you know, I only listen to really shit pop punk. I'm not, not bought into this feud. And it's like, who's, um who's going to help him? Who's going to help him? And eventually, because they're all two on, he's getting like random people to help him out in, in tag matches, but, but no one can, no one can really do the job because no one's invested in it. No one cares about the mods and rockers feud. And then eventually, Morgan Webster's been beaten down for like the six six show in a row, and then you just see someone come out on a Vespa, right, but with a, a helmet on, so you don't know who it is. Comes in, takes out Juice and Domino, and then takes off the helmet. Obviously, they've been riding a Vespa. They're Italian. It's Laura Di Matteo. So then Laura Di Matteo and um, Flash have an amazing ladder war with Juice and Domino. Send them packing. Right. And then it's, it's an amazing moment. Like, right, they're going to go for the tag titles. But um, a, uh, there's an innocuous thing backstage that you just see, you know, these like things that Progress are doing now where they like do the aftermatch, the kind of New Japan thing with the guys talking. There's a bit of that. And, um, and, and Flash goes, you know what? We absolutely smashed it. And I'm going to dedicate this to Paul Weller. And then Di Matteo puts a hand out and go, no. No, we're not doing that. I'd like to dedicate it to the Jam's finest member, Bruce Foxton. And Flash is like, you've got to be fucking having a laugh, haven't you? It's Weller. She's like, nah, Foxton. Foxton's baseline's made that band. And they start kicking off, even though they've just had this massive match. It's all kicking off. People are having to separate them. And then it's booked for um, Super Strong Style 2022 next year. You've got a um, death match. Um, a mod death match with um, Flash versus Di Matteo, Bruce Foxton in Di Matteo's corner, 
uh, brings the on, along the vapors because that's all anyone re- recommend uh, knows him about after after uh, after the jam. Weller turns up, he brings his daughter because she's a star, star now. It's got this real big star power match, and it's just they have this wicked death match, and it ends with um, Flash uh, pile driving um, Di Matteo onto the head of the Vespa to get the win. And then and then Weller wins because I think John would never forgive me if I had Foxton winning the match. So that's uh, that's my booking of that. Fantastic, Ram. My favourite fact about Bruce Foxton is he's in his own tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> from from the Jam now still play, which is a Jam tribute band, and he plays bass. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that, that's when you know you've made it when you're in your own tribute band. <laughs> Um, I don't have anything as good as that, but I'll have a go at piecing some bits together. I was also thinking musical theme, um, and I was also going to include Mark Andrews. So um, Andrews and Flash are uh, trying to uh, establish themselves back in the NXT tag division. They're, you know, they're, they're eyeing up Pretty Deadly's titles. They're, they're, they're fighting Gallus and the like, but they're taking L's. It's, there's no chemistry there. They're, they're miscommunicating. Things are going wrong. So they decide that they need the next factor to help them going forward and they're going to get an enforcer to help them. And that enforcer is, of course, Laura Di Matteo, well known for being the next best thing since China in terms of female enforcers at ringside. And, and they start picking up wins and, and, and putting it together, you know, and, and they're both embracing their, their musical roots. So like Flash is going back to the, the Arabella helmet and the, he's got the um, Parker on. He's doing all that. But Mark Andrews is still pop-punking it up. They're coming out to a pop-punk tune. And you can see that Flash isn't really happy. But Di Matteo is siding with Andrews on this. She's she's like dressing a bit punkier week on week. You know, she's got a, a little metal chain now. She's got a studded belt. She's got her converse on. She's turning slowly into a kind of emo chick. And it's annoying Flash. They're, they're picking up wins. And Di Matteo is definitely playing a part. But it's not sitting well with Flash anymore. He doesn't like the stylistic look of the group anymore. So he starts making it known to, Mac, to Andrews. He's like, listen, I, I know that she's, you know, we're getting the Ws and that's great. We all love that. We love getting a big purse, but I'm not really happy with the direction of this group. Um, so, so over the weeks, like there's a real friction between them and then it starts turning bad. And, and she's really committing to this. She's now dyed her hair orange, like Hayley Williams. She is completely on board as Paramore looking as you'd like. And she's, just ruining their matches now. They've, they've gone from this, this winning run, getting close to Pretty Deadly. They get their title match and she ruins it. And Flash just absolutely flips. He destroys Mandrews and he destroys Laura Di Matteo. It's shocking. You know, we don't see it often in WWE. He just completely leaves them in a bloodbath. Um, because I think every week someone ends up in a bloodbath in my booking. Um, <laughs> So, so Di Matteo and Mandrews are just, are just absolutely wrecked. And it's, it's reported that Mandrews is, is really bad. He's not going to be back for at least a year, uh, which gives him time to go and make some music or something with Junior. Um, but Di Matteo is going to make it to the pay-per-view and she's going to wrestle against uh, Flash at the pay-per-view. And the prize, of course, will be uh, Arabella's helmet. We'll put that up high. She's been using it to win matches for them. Um, Flash has been using it and they're going to have a big ladder match for the Arabella helmet and Laura Di Matteo will win because I don't think I can put Flash over against her. 
all really really good guys i've made some i've, I've made some notes so i'll, so I'll go through um each, each now quickly dom absolutely love the fact that that you've brought in a real life situation from the group with mike's story that even if it's a little bit embellished and we can't remember the exact reason why she doesn't speak english uh, I, I, I absolutely love that um i love the fact that you uh, plumped for uh, the town that you plumped for. <laughs> it was quite hard for you to say. Um, Webster <laughs> putting his job. Uh, Webster putting his job on the line so that he can win sixty p back for for Tesco. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful touch. The fact that um, you had people doing donuts and smoking weed in this um, car park brawl in Tesco in Aberystwyth really, really, really won me over. Um, I like the fact that um, that Webster prevailed as as the face, and I love that the the, uh, the uh, new um, the new finisher of every little bit helps. Brum loved oh, quickly on Dom's. I was really expecting him to book it that Di Matteo one, but they did that thing like where uh, Triple H, like the equivalent of like Triple H from Tesco, came out and like held up. Um, held up his flash's arm and like said he could still have his job because he did such a good thing for tesco <laughs> i love that wrestling trope where it's like you both get a contract and everyone cries you both i've, I've, I've had triple h do too many run-ins in book of bingo <laughs> i didn't necessarily mean triple h, which i mean like the, the, his manager at tesco who probably isn't triple h in avarice with tesco brum i absolutely loved your um Ballroom blackout is something that they don't do too often, but when they do, it always causes a, a big pop. And the pop of seeing Juice and Domino at the ballroom would have been banana. I absolutely love that. Um, absolutely love the fact that um, you've said that Andrews won't help him because he's pop punk and not mod, and he's making it about the fashion now. Um, the Vespa um, start with um, LDM turning up on the Vespa with the helmets that he's that you're not sure who it is i love that idea um i love on wrestling as well similar vibe when someone arrives in the limo and you only see their feet <laughs> not quite sure who they are that's the opposite of that I, I, I really like that love love the fact that it's a ladder war everyone loves a, a, a ladder war and then you mentioned what um paul weller and foxton um so obviously tick the boxes for john collins um there and the fact that it was a mod, a mod, uh, death match really, 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 really tickled me. Um, and the uh, flash power driver through the Vespa as the finish, real strong finish. And Connolly, as always, strong as hell. Um, love, love the fact that, that you've got the, um, the idea of a team on a losing streak and needing to bring someone in and enforce her, someone like Laura Di Matteo. I'm assuming that she started off as an MMA. Laura Di Matteo at that point. Um, then she turns pop punk and then you managed to name check my absolute dream crush, Hayley Williams. <laughs> so that's a bonus point for you. <laughs> um, but but you um, it did lose me a little bit in the fact that why is Laura Di Matteo trying to win the helmet? Yeah, I'd, I'd run out of ideas to be honest. She's too much of a blank canvas, isn't she? She's not working for me in this booking. <laughs> so you almost had it with Hayley Williams, but then you lost it, it at the end with the helmet. And this week, I'm going to give it to my man, Dom Philp, largely for I... mentioning 90s Mike and the fact that he's dropped out of the quiz 
this week. Hopefully, if he hears this, he'll backtrack and say, yes, I'm back in because we've got name checked on the podcast. So well done, uh, Dom. All three were absolutely excellent. Um, it was a tough, tough round that because that is not an easy pitch, Laura Dimitero against Flash Morgan Webster, but you all came up with fantastic uh, storylines and really enjoyed all three. I'm also pretty sure that I've won that because mine, well, obviously Matt Connolly's made no sense. Why is she fighting for a helmet? Mine made perfect sense. Watertight logic. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's like seventh draft of a script, Dom. It's like you've ironed out all the nuances. Like, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Winning it from first yeah, as well. I, yeah, winning it first. That's big. That's big. In the, in, in the future, when people reenact it, it'll be played by whatever Shakespearean actor you mentioned earlier for Richard's. <laughs> Dean Gaffney. Yeah, just on that, by the way, if, if any of the um, booking committee at Progress are listening, I reckon, I reckon you could get Juice and Domino for Strong Star. <laughs> Cheers, lads. Yeah, good one, Wrestling nice should one. be fun. Nice. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Righto, scholars. There we have it. Another episode in the bank. That's 15 in a row we've done. 15 weeks. And I guess I have a little bit of melancholic news in the fact that, hey, we're going to have a week off next week. Uh, we feel like it's just time to have one little week to refresh. Um, it's half term for me as a teacher. Uh, so, you know, less editing during the week off. And we'll be back in two weeks' time. However, you will be hearing from the wrestling should be fun, lads. Um, the nerds, I probably should say. That's gimmick isn't it brother brother um we've got the shock mastermind quizzes still being released each week so that'll tide you over until two weeks time when we will return until then though guys thank you to matt brummett matt Connolly, ross the boss casey and thank you most of all to you dear listener we'll catch you in two weeks until then though drink lots of water look after you mates